Welcome to the Louisiana Sugarcane News Podcast, brought to you by the American Sugarcane League. I'm your host, Sam Irwin. Today we'll hear from Taylor Blanchard, a young sugarcane producer from the Iberia-St. Mary area. Taylor spoke to a gathered group of farmers and researchers at the July 2018 LSU Ag Center Sugarcane Field Day. Taylor talked about the benefits of planting cover crops in sugarcane country. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane, sweetness of our southern trees. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane, fireflies in the jasmine. City. Here's Taylor Blanchard. So, uh, Right here I had some cover, co- cover crops planted. I had some sun hemp, some radish, bullseye radish, and rapeseed. Um, for years we've been planting Austria winter peas in our fallow land. After we harvest, we'll plow the land up, get it ready like soybean, make a bed for like soybeans, and we'll come in and plant uh, two drills of Austria winter peas. So. Uh, I had a guy come down from Pennsylvania that's an expert in the cover crops. And uh, we got to talking and he started telling me what, he, what he's doing in the cover crops up north and in all the big states. That's a, that's a big push right now is cover crops. So uh, we got to talking and he, he just started giving me some ideas and it got me thinking, what could we do in our plant cane in the fall time? You know, the cane emerges and it dies off. Why can't we put some kind of cover crop that can maybe help fix a little nitrogen, pull up some phosphorus, uh, help erosion, the whole nine yards. So we came up with a plan. He gave me those three options that he thought would work best. So I came in, the, the first 35 rows was cover crops and then from there on wasn't. So the cane was planted on uh, August 20th. Came in, we sprayed our prow, Syncor, then came back um, probably around October 10th, I'm going to say. We came in and we worked it. We worked our whole plant cane crop, but instead of coming back and putting a pound and a half of diametric, I left these rows alone and I planted my cover crops. So one thing that had me worried was would I get any kill from the residual from the, the, the chemical we sprayed at planting time? Didn't seem to hurt it at all. I have a handout right here if y'all want to look at it. Three days later, I planted on the 13th. Three days later, I came and it was already up. So I called a guy and he said, man, there's no way. He said, I've never seen a cover crop come out of the ground in three days, I said. So I sent him pictures and everything. He's like, man, this is crazy. So I came about every two weeks. I took pictures, sent it to him. So everything took off growing. The, I planted the sun hemp to fix nitrogen. It's a summer, it's a summer crop. I knew if we had any type of cold weather, it was gonna die off. But we figured I can get enough growth that it might fix some nitrogen. So um, the first freeze came, it it knocked the sun hemp out dead. So it was about maybe two, three feet tall on the side. So back, I planted a double drill. We used, I used my neighbor's bean planter. It was set up on 21 inches and I drilled right on the side of the plant cane. The plant cane was probably two or three feet tall. 
Yeah. So, uh, drilled right on the side. I used the vacuum planter, but the, the radish and the rape seed is very small. It's like a mustard seed. So I was having a lot of trouble with the vacuum sucking it up and blowing it out on the bottom. But it was just a trial thing. I said, the hell with it. Another thing, I was supposed to plant 10 acres. I only planted five. So I doubled up on the, on the pounds per acre and everything. But like I said, it was a trial. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. So planted it, came up good, everything. The freeze came, knocked the sun hemp out. Then we had the snow in December, December 7th or something like that. It knocked, it knocked the radish, it knocked the, uh, the rapeseed out. And then uh, when it started warming up in uh, January, February, the radish and some of the rapeseed kind of came back a little bit. It didn't kill it out dead. So then we came and we sprayed our uh, regular chemical programs in the spring and it, it, it cleaned everything up. Uh, we didn't have no, no trouble with any, anything trying to come back up. I know Dr. Al, uh, we went to the research station the other day. He was showing us some radish that he got after what four pounds of metribuzin, and they still coming up. I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I mean, nowhere coming up. We uh, we off barred it, we fertilized, and we lay barred it. Um, I put the cost was very. I mean, it was one hundred sixteen dollars an acre that I figured. Nobody right here is gonna go spend one hundred sixteen dollars on a on that cover crop. It was just a trial thing. Like I said, I doubled up on the pounds. So even if you split that in half, that's still costly. I think we can find other cover crops at a cheaper rate uh, that would probably work for us than going that route. Uh, I did notice after the freeze, I came the day of the freeze. We had a combine sitting right here when that the, uh, the cane was, it was all short. That ice was blowing so hard, it took us three hours to unfreeze the track. And I went walking the cane while we was messing with that. And where I had them cover crops, I could take my finger like this, and, and it would do that. Where I didn't have the cover crops, it was hard like cement. So that told me something right there. I got a little protection from my cane. Now, I mean, as y'all can see, I mean, noticeably from the eyes, you can't tell a difference. Now, when we come to cut it, if there's a difference, I don't know. Another thing, I took a shovel, and I wanted to see how much erosion I had from where I had the cover crops to where I didn't. I took a shovel in three different places and it averaged about a half inch. So I lost a half inch of soil where I didn't have them cover crops compared to where I, where I did. So that was another thing, the erosion. Um, I, we're doing a lot of uh, residue management and all that. These cover crops is just something that, I mean, we're trying all kind of things. We're all trying to boost yields, boost yields. Putting more fertilizer, more fertilizer is costly. If we could try to rotate this cover crop in in the fall, when, you know, maybe get get more bang for your buck at that time, I, I don't know. It's just something that's been going going through my head. Um, the the Austria winter peas in our fowler program, I planted about half. Um, everything we don't have to precision grade, we leave in rows and we just go ahead and plant it this year. I didn't cultivate anything. I came in, I raked the shucks off the top of the row and I took the planter and planted. Um, on our, in our older stubble, our, our tall pony row, I didn't get as good a stand because the seeds just, it wasn't a good, a good bed for them. But where they came up, they did phenomenal. So 
save me in costs and you know cultivating three times to try to get all that old stubborn residue worked in to get a good bed to plant it um two men a rake and a planter and, and you know save on costs there um if we seeing any yields from the winter peas we i've never done a half and half field to see if we get any yields but like i said the the erosion for one just putting something back in the ground. We used to plant soybeans, and we we stopped planting soybeans, so we find that's that's kind of helping put something back into that soil. Um, I did. I like to experiment, and I don't tell them that. But when I was planting the the, the winter peas, I found a I found a some plant cane. I said, oh shit, I had some left. I said, let me plant that now. I got a field in Lowerville, and nobody knows where it's at but me. And I've been watching it. I'll never do that again. I don't know what it did to the cane, but it's a lot shorter. I don't know if it was just fighting, if we, we sprayed it too late or, or what. Uh, but that, that was, I won't do that again. Another thing, I planted some. It's some, some older stubble that we was planning on breaking, but we ended up keeping. And this year with the Austrian winter peas, in the past I've had trouble with, uh, it's called powdery mildew. When it starts heating up in uh, March and April and that, when it starts heating up, the humid, fog, all that, it, it triggers it. And it'll start, it'll kill the plants away. This year, I didn't have any trouble with the powdery mildew, but I had aphids, a pea aphid. Right around the field, got a big patch, big like this, just looks like you spray gamoxin on it, it's just dead. So I went there and that dead spot you couldn't find them but right on the edges i mean i walk in my blue pants i come out i got home and i didn't notice full of bugs and everything my girlfriend wanted to kill me but it was it was the aphids and i found that cane that we kept we had a lot of aphid damage from that so that I, from now if i if we plan on keeping the cane i won't plant any winter peas in there so that's my experience with cover crops we're going to keep experimenting and uh see if we can come up with a solution to get this to work in our in our cane cane situation, Dr. I was helping with this. He did a stall count about two weeks ago. I don't remember the exact numbers, but pretty much. Oh, you got them. That's what the, the sheet I handed out. We came on July second, and we did stalk counts, and we did plant heights. And what I asked Taylor to do whenever he was planting his cover crop, I said, pick up that plant and leave me about a hundred foot section plant for 100 foot, pick it up, and he did it down here uh, in the block. So we have four replications. So if, if you look at that sheet, uh, the plant population, no statistical difference where he drilled versus where we didn't have a cover crop, and no difference in plant height either. So that, that was very encouraging to see that we're not going to get a yield drag, from my opinion, just from looking at the, the stalks on the row and the, the plant height, they look very similar. Um, on the back sheet, uh, we did some work with Mr. Mark and Chris Patu and, and uh, at Patch, and it, it dealt with cover peas, uh, winter peas, and hairy vetch. And if you look at that, uh, this was a termination study that we did there. And um, we, we went in and we terminated uh, on January 25th, February 16th, and March 8th. And there's no doubt that early termination that came was more robust there's more stalks on the acres more stalks per acre and it's taller uh and the later you you, you terminate that cover crop 
the more impact it had on, on that uh, the population in Stalkite. We went into Mr. Mark's adjacent cane, 13 rows over from where we had uh, planted the cover crops. Uh, and the way we had done it is we planted in the wheel furrows. Uh, we planted the, the, the peas and the hairy vetch there. And, and it kind of matted over the cane. I was kind of worried about it, no doubt about it. Uh, but when you look at uh, the, the stalk heights and, and the population, um, it's very similar to the between the, that February and that March termination date. Uh, we picked up about two tons of, of green biomass. Uh, three quarters of it was from the Winnipeg, uh, 25% from the hairy vetch. Um, when we did the math and, and we dried it down, we picked up about 36 pounds of nitrogen uh, is what would be available to that crop. Some work done by Dr. Paul White uh, showed that in as little as two weeks, that nitrogen becomes available for that plant to uptake. So it's not long-term residual. Uh, but, but in both situations, this gives me hope that this could work because the, my first attempt at this, Dr. Leonard told me, he said, Al, I need you to work on a cover crop project. Here, sign this paper and go. Well, we broadcast um, these tillage radishes at St. Gabriel over some plant cane. And I lost eight tons of cane per acre in the plant cane crop. I don't see that happening at either one of these situations. We have a lot to learn. And, and you know, people like Taylor thinking out the box makes me think out the box. Uh, in terms of some, some pre-emerge herbicide work we've done, you know, we didn't want to uh, lose our, our, our weed uh, fight in, in plant cane and, and uh, plant these cover crops. So pendomethylene seems like it's going to be a, a, a very good fit for this program. Uh, Mr. Mark put three pounds, three quarts of prowl and two pounds of metribuzin on, on his uh, peas and, and um, this hairy vetch, and we didn't see any issues. Some of the work we did at St. Gabriel showed the same thing with the pendomethylene. We looked at Command, uh, Velpar, or, or Veloso. So it looks like we have some pre-emerge options that some of these crops can tolerate and it's gonna give us the grass control we need also. So with that. Yep. Another thing from where I, I didn't spray that pound and a half of diametric after we worked it, the grass was was no worse here with the cover crops than it was where I put the, you know, the, the weed pressure wasn't, wasn't there. Um, with that, anybody has any questions? Yeah. Okay, so, so you could cut that. I was supposed to do, I was supposed to do ten. I only did five, so you cut that in half. Okay. It's fifty, but I mean that's still. I put fifteen pounds of sun hemp to the acre, two pounds of radish, and two pounds of rapeseed. Okay. So. And also, so you and I were talking on the way here. Uh, you noticed the saw loss. Well, you didn't have a, a cover cut. Cover. Maybe talk a little bit about maybe cutting back on an off bar. You know. Or, or yeah. Ah. We, we we always off-barred our plant cane. We off-barred all our stuff. We just, that's in our routine. We have a no-till rig. We're trying to work into that. We're not 100% dedicated to that. We don't know if that's the answer. Um, and that'll be our next time. Uh, I don't know if it would have made any difference if we wouldn't have cultivated that many times. Um, I mean, we, we I think we off-barred off -barred once, fertilized. And then came back and laid by twice. So four or five cultivation passes on this field was done, which was done to our whole crop. So uh, I don't know if, if, 
if it would have just came and left it, if there would have been a difference, I, I don't know. Uh, I just noticed like where I had, even after we killed off, we came and we bush hogged the cane and then we came and sprayed and you go pulling radishes up, what I like, right on the side of that cane, I mean, I had some holes I could stick my hand down there, you know, right on the side of that cane, it just, like it breaks that ground up to let it, is it going to do something until we put a harvester in it and see, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just the idea of, of, of what, what those crops can do, you know, so. Harvesting this with the, the way wagon, uh, the league is going to participate, and Dr. Paul White, he's done a lot of cover crop research. Everybody's committed on all three fronts, uh, you know, to track yield because you know it has to be, uh, you know, environmentally sound and right. uh, a, a pra uh, practice that'll make you money. Make you right. And, and Al, I think that's what I was going to kind of finish things up with. That's the big riddle. You know, I, I see some of you looking at, you know, time management is important. When, when you're trying to get your, your crop planted, if, if any of you have any, any soybeans, I, I know the Blanchards have had some years they have planted soybeans, some years they haven't. So you're trying to manage all that and then, you know, can we do something that's economical that will still help my, my sugar cane yield? And, and it's, it's a big riddle, it's a big puzzle, but thankfully we have some, some folks out here uh, Chris Patu, uh, Al, Al mentioned we, we did some uh, work with them, with, with the Blanchard Brothers. Um, Dr. Sonny's here. Um, I think we're going to try to uh, continue uh, looking at some of this when we come to Iberia uh, or Iberia Research Station. So uh, that's the big riddle. Can we solve this puzzle? And uh, we're here to keep trying. The Louisiana Sugarcane News Podcast is brought to you by the American Sugarcane League. I'm your host, Sam Irwin. Thank you for listening. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane, the sweetness of our southern trees. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane, fireflies in the jasmine. There's a little shade beneath this tree Shields me from relentless heat An afternoon shower possibly But then the temperatures increase The men are working in the fields And trucks are loaded with that amazing tree Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane of our southern dreams Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane And fireflies in the jasmine scented breeze